Hi guys, it's Pleasant, and this is a bonus episode, a book club episode. So one of the reasons I really wanted to start a podcast was so that I could start going back through and sharing some of the books, as many as possible, that have totally changed my life and made me think differently and integrate into my life differently. And so one of the ways that I'm um, able to teach and work with people, I have a year-long class right now called Thrive Squared. And in Thrive Squared, we meet um, every other week, but every week we have explorations and experiments and teachings in a variety of areas and content all having to do with intentional living and um, health and wellness, um, but intuitive health and ancient wisdom and not sort of the latest and greatest fad. So um, as part of a teaching tool for them, I am doing this little cliff notes on one of my favorite books um, that has so many amazing teachings. Like every page is basically folded and highlighted and... um, Living Beautifully with Uncertainty and Change by Pema Chodron. And um, so let's dive into this book club. So basically, um, Living Beautifully is a collection of teachings um, in Buddhism, in Tibetan Buddhism, um, that are life, like they're universal truths and they're really beneficial for so many stages of your life, okay? So let's start towards the beginning. Um, She says the instructions, basically the whole purpose of the book, and this is in the chapter called Life Without the Storyline, which just soak that in for a minute, Life Without the Storyline. So here are the instructions that she gives right from the beginning around what we're really doing here, what we're learning to do, and what are the three basic steps in learning to live beautifully with uncertainty and change. So on page 21, in case some of you guys have this book and maybe you have not read it in a few years or you have it and you want to sort of follow along and highlight I'll give page numbers that way. Those of you who have the text can study along with me. Okay, so page 21 in the chapter, Life Without the Storyline, be fully present, feel your heart, and engage the next moment without an agenda. So let's dive into that for a minute. Be fully present. Well, I think that that is a wonderful idea in La La Land, but is often very hard for us to do when our phones are buzzing and our kids are yelling and the dog is barking. And so being fully present takes a lifelong commitment to lifestyle changes and choices around making space and grace for actually being in the present moment. And the next step here, which is the feel your heart, I actually find for a lot of women that I work with that feeling the heart first helps you drop into the present moment. So don't tell Pema, but I think you could probably feel your heart and then move into the present moment. So lots of 
Um, lots of us practice that self-compassion mudra. We place our palms right over our heart, feel, breathe, and then suddenly here we are in the in fully present. And the third uh, basic step, engage the next moment without an agenda. So this is where the drop the storyline really comes into place, right? This is where we um, start to see, okay, what is the clear next best step for me? What is what is happening here? This is also kind of like, um, it's kind of like Tara Brock's reign that she talks about. Um, recognize, allow, um, investigate, and wait, recognize, allow, investigate, and then N is natural awareness and kind of dropping into natural awareness. So these are very similar teachings and techniques. All right, so now that we've got the basic simple steps that she's kind of talking about, let's dive into one of my favorite, um, okay, one of my favorite teachings in this book is on page 36, she dives into discomfort practices. And I actually teach this in Thrive Squared as its own chapter. So this is for my Thrive Squared students. I really want you to think about this discomfort practice and renouncing things and committing to things that you want more of. And so sometimes what we have to do to honor the um, moving through and letting go of layers of identity and stories is actually commit to some discomfort to see what comes up for us. So on page um, 35 and 36, um, I'm going to read a little from here. So um, here we go. Notice how you feel. What does it feel like in the body to have cravings and aggressive urges? Notice your thinking. What sort of thoughts do these feelings give birth to? Notice your actions. How do you treat yourself and other people when you feel this way? This is a really important thing to investigate when you are um, in discomfort. What are your feelings? What are your thoughts? And what are your actions? This is what living by commitment means. What's a commitment? Commitment to sanity. We could also say it's our commitment to courage, our commitment to developing unconditional friendship with ourselves. And then to further get at what inner renunciation means, you could try the following practice of renouncing one thing. So this is where we get into a discomfort practice. For one day or one day a week, refrain from something you habitually do to run away, to escape. Pick something concrete like overeating or excessive sleeping or overworking or spending too much time texting or checking emails. Make a commitment to yourself to gently and compassionately work from refraining from this habit for this one day. Really commit to it. Do this with the intention that it will put you in touch with the underlying anxiety or uncertainty that you've been avoiding. Do it and and here's the point. See what you discover. When you refrain from habitual thoughts and behavior, the uncomfortable feelings will still be there. They don't magically disappear. Over the years, I've come to call resting with the discomfort the detox period. Because when you don't act on your habitual reactions, it's like giving up an addiction. You're left with the feeling. This is the part I've highlighted like and starred and highlighted and starred. You're left with the feelings you were trying to escape. The practice is to make a wholehearted relationship with that. 
Now let's be clear, the underlying anxiety can be very strong. You may experience it as hopelessness or even terror, but the basic view is if you can remain with the feeling, if you can go through the fear, the hopelessness, the resistance in its various forms, you will find basic goodness. Everything opens up. So I want to make a little side note here that when we're when I'm talking about um discomfort and going in and shadow and practicing this. I am talking to people who feel mentally healthy most of the time. If this is not you, please go seek um, professional therapy help. Please go seek a counselor or a therapist who can help you. If going into the darkness is way too scary because of trauma, um, because of mental illness, because of addiction, let's be clear that when we're talking about living beautifully with uncertainty and change and reading a book and talking about Buddhist philosophy, we are talking about the sort of average healthy mind that experiences a wide range of ups and downs in emotions and daily life, but is not holding on and gripping and impacting daily life. Uh, For example, like a very deep depression or a very alive anxiety. So I just want to make sure that here I'm teaching and I'm just echoing what, you know, what Pema's saying in the book around um, you might experience some fear, some hopelessness in the body, but the but what we're teaching is to stay with it and see what comes out on the other side once we start to embrace it, name it, and identify it. And if that feels too scary because you have real trauma, please seek help. Okay, so let's go to page 37 where we're going to continue to talk a little bit about um, discomfort here. With this practice, the exploration Um, We can gradually see beyond our fear-based fixed identity. When we make a compassionate, fearless relationship with the reality of the human condition, with our habits, our emotions, with groundlessness, then gradually something shifts fundamentally. In other words, enlightenment is already here. We just need to touch it and know it and trust it. But first, we make a journey through our resistance, knowing its every nuance, its strategies, and its exits. In this way, we uncover that awareness. Mm. And so that's kind of the point is like, let's break, like taking a commitment to break some habits that are harmful or break habits that we're afraid of releasing. In Thrive Squared, um, I'm teaching it from a different angle. So if you're in that class, I want you to think about it this way. Um, You can practice letting go of something that you feel like you're doing um, every day, all day, and and do it the way that Pem is talking about here. But I'm recommending for our class that we actually dive into discomfort in three ways. Number one, physical. So I want you to be intentional with some physical discomfort and see how that feels and see if you can use some self-compassion practices, which we're going to do next. I'm going to read uh, Pema's some stuff on self-compassion. Um, so I want you to do physical, and then I want you to do think about emotional discomfort. Is there a conversation you need to have? Is there a journal entry you need to write? Do you have something that you've been really shoving down that needs to come to life? Um, and then third is mental discomfort. So how are you avoiding something that you mentally need to do? And then let's practice that with the umbrella and coupled with and hugged by these self-compassion practices. So here we move on to page 41. 
Chapter four, be fully present. Feel your heart and leap. The -the on-the-spot practice of being fully present, feeling your heart, and greeting the next moment with an open mind can be done at any time. When you wake up in the morning before a difficult conversation, whenever fear or discomfort arises, this practice is a beautiful way to claim your warriorship, your spiritual warriorship. In other words, it's a way to claim your courage, your kindness, your strength. Whenever it occurs to you, you can number one, Pause briefly. Touch in with how you're feeling physically and mentally. Number two, connect with your heart. Putting your hand on your heart, even if you want to. This is a way of extending warmth and acceptance to whatever is going on for you right now in this moment. Whether you have an aching back, an upset stomach, panic, rage, impatience, calmness, joy, Whatever it is, you can let it be there just as it is without labeling it good or bad, without telling yourself you should or shouldn't be feeling that way. Having connected with what is, with love and acceptance, you can go forward. Here we go into number three with curiosity and courage. I call this third step taking a leap. Isn't that beautiful? It's so brilliant. I mean... If this is the practice of our life, you guys, if you can do this, be fully present, feel your heart, accept, 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 courage, curiosity, and take the leap into your life being fully present. That page 41 I just love. Okay, let's move on to inner strength 53. So, you know, this inner strength is part of how we take the leap. And the title of this chapter is staying in the middle. You'll hear me and lots of other teachers talk all the time about the middle path, the middle way, in moderation, you know, not extremes, little, little, all of that. You're, you, okay, on page, sorry, middle of the page 53, you build inner strength through embracing the totality of your experience, both the delightful parts and the difficult parts. Embracing the totality of your experience is one is one definition of having loving kindness for yourself. Loving kindness for yourself does not mean making sure you're feeling good all the time. I feel like you guys need to really hear that. Loving kindness for yourself does not mean making sure you're feeling good all the time. Trying to set up your life so you're comfortable at every moment. Rather, it means setting up your life so you have time for meditation, self-reflection, kind-hearted, compassionate self-honesty. In this way, you become more attuned to seeing when you're biting the hook, when you're getting caught in the undertow of emotions, when you're grasping, and when you're letting go. This is the way you become a true friend to yourself just as you are with both your laziness and your bravery. There is no step more important than this. So what she's saying here, you guys, is lifestyle. Like, how do you build the strength to be present? How do you build the strength to do, um, you know, to love and embrace the good, the bad, and the ugly? It's through lifestyle. It's through having the time to have this loving kindness for yourself in the good, in the bad, and it's setting up your life. This is the priority, and now is the time. If you find yourself saying things like, 
you know, when my kids go off to college, then I'll take care of myself. Like that is not a guarantee, my dear. You know, when I get a new job, then I'll be happy. Nope, that's not a guarantee either. So I really want you to see that this is so, oh man, this is so beautiful. The next paragraph, it's a tricky business, not rejecting any part of yourself. At the same time, you're becoming acutely aware of how embarrassing or painful some of those parts are. What most of us have been doing is gearing our lives towards avoiding unpleasant feelings while clinging to whatever we think will make us feel good and feel secure. And so that line right there, most of us have been um, avoiding unpleasant feelings and clinging to what we think will make us feel good is very, this is part of being human and um, we're kind of letting go of that. We're really making the commitment to make the changes for ourselves in our lives and moving forward. Um, okay, so lastly, as you can tell, there are so many beautiful teachings in here. If you have the book again, page 60 on the Hopi Nation, there's a beautiful story of the Hopi Nation um, that I want to make sure that if you have the book, you go over and read. Um, on page 62, the truth is we're always in some kind of in-between state, always in process. We never fully arrive. When we're present with the dynamic qualities of our lives, we're also present with impermanence, uncertainty, and change. If we can stay present, then we might finally get that there's no security or certainty in the objects of our pleasure or the objects of our pain. No security or certainty in winning or losing, in compliments or criticism. In good reputation or bad, no security or certainty ever in anything that's fleeting, that's subject to change. And so part of this spiritual warriorship, part of this awakening to reality, part of this living beautifully is that we're accepting the uncertainty and change, which is actually human nature. Um, at some point, if you're fortunate, this is 62 at some point, if you're fortunate, um, and this is part of the committing to not cause harm chapter, you'll hit a wall of truth and wonder and what you've been doing with your life and wonder what you've been doing with your life. At that point, you'll feel highly motivated to find out what frees you and helps you to be kinder and more loving, less driven and confused. I think all of you guys who are listening to this are on this path. You are seekers. You are wholehearted, beautiful, loving souls who want more connection. At this point, you'll actually want to be present, present as you go through a door, present as you take a step, present as you wash your hands or wash a dish, present to being triggered, present to simmering, present to the ebb and flow of your emotions and thoughts. Day in and day out, you'll find you notice sooner when you're hooked and it will be easier to refrain. If you can do this, a kind of shedding happens a shedding of old habits, a shedding of being run around by pleasure and pain, a shedding of being held hostage by the eight worldly concerns, which she teaches earlier in the book. Awakening is not a process of building ourselves up, but a process of letting go. It's a process of relaxing in the middle, the paradoxical, ambiguous middle, full of potential, full of new ways of thinking and seeing, with absolutely no money-back guarantee of what will happen next. And I think that this reality, like facing reality, um, which has been a term I've seen a lot and I've been writing a lot about, like facing reality. I personally have 
some family stuff going on and facing reality is my mantra and it's painful. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, it's not... it. I'm experiencing emotions of grief and suffering and loss and confusion because of the situation and this type of support and facing reality helps me every day get up and be strong and show up for work and show up for my family and still be present even though I'm experiencing pain and that is what a warrior is and that is what a warrior does. On page 77, we are all children of the great spirit. We all belong to Mother Earth. Our planet is in great trouble. And if we keep carrying old grudges, we do not work together and do not work together, we will all die. And this is from Chief Seattle. And and this was an insight from more than 100 years ago where she's now talking about how we move forward and help change the world and through ourselves, through our actions. And right underneath that is this beautiful paragraph talking about labeling um, and reality and what reality is like. And to me, this whole area is so linked to Ayurveda. It's exactly what we teach in Ayurveda with harmony and reality. Um, and the last sentence that I love here is the, the only thing that makes sense is for us to reach out to one another. And that's what I feel like I'm doing by exposing you to this, by reading this to you. It's kind of like our little book club read aloud. Um, and, you know, I just, I just want to emphasize that this book is, again, full of compassion, self-compassion, discomfort, teachings on strength, teaching us on boundaries, teaching on the world. Uh, it's really a guide for living and I hope to be reading it for the rest of my life um, over and over because the wise, older I get, the wiser I get, the, actually the more relevant this all is and the, this really helps me deal with the difficulties that are happening in the world and in my life. So I have one final um, quote to read to you, although this is so hard to close out without all of the um, going over all of the pagers that I'm obsessed with. Um, but there's one more. Let me find it. I hope this has been helpful and I cannot wait to do more, <laughs> more book clubs. I've got a whole stack of books right here that I cannot wait to, um, here we go, uh, that I cannot wait to do book club little, these little chats. And I can't wait to hear um, what your thoughts are in the book and what your favorite quotes are. But to wrap up today, I'm going to close with this quote. Remembering that I'll be dead soon is the most important tool I've ever encountered to help me make the big choices in life. Because almost everything, all external expectations, all pride, all fear of embarrassment or failure, these things just fall away in the face of death, leaving only what is truly important. Remembering that you're going to die is the best way I know to avoid the trap of thinking you have something to lose. You are, you are already naked. There is no reason not to follow your heart. And that's actually from Steve Jobs. And uh, she has it quoted right on page 58, since it's so relevant. 
So I hope this is helpful. Uh, thrivers, enjoy. I can't wait to hear about your comfort and discomfort practices. And if you're listening to this just for the book club, I hope that this book has brought you some stuff to think about. May you be happy. May you be safe. May you be healthy. May you live with ease.